G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Gideon, can you believe it? In chapter 6, ask God for proof. He said, God, you've told me you're going to use me to deliver the Midianites into our hand, but I, I don't, don't, don't strike me dead now. Don't get upset, God, but I, I need some proof. Can you imagine? God, give me some proof. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Hello, my name is Bill, and this is Today with Jeff Vines. We've started a series called Unpossible. And so far, Pastor Jeff has been looking at Judges chapters 6 and 7, and he's begun identifying seven resolutions that can guide us to live full lives with a sense of joy and hope in the presence of God. Let's listen to the rest of this message as Pastor Jeff continues This is a series from Judges. Now, Gideon doesn't know what you and I know, and that is that God has a history of using flawed people. That's just the way he works. But God doesn't go there. He doesn't talk about the sin of Gideon or Israel. When Gideon says, well, how do I know you're going to help me? Now, this is amazing to me too. This shows you how... Little faith Gideon has. God, he's talking to God. And when God says something, you shouldn't have to challenge him and say, now are you sure? This is God we're talking about. And notice how God responds in 14. He doesn't defend himself. He just simply says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of your hand or out of Midian's hand rather. He says, Gideon, okay. All right, fine, you go. It's not about you, Gideon. That's what God is saying. This is about my power and my grace. Are you in or are you out? Let me just pause here just for a moment. When you've been in the wilderness for a long time and you might be there because of something that you've done, something that's been done to you, who knows? You're never gonna know the answer, by the way. You will never know what God causes, what God allows, what he sends, what's coming from the evil one. God seldom tells you everything you did wrong to get where you are. It's almost like he's not interested in that at that moment. He's always interested in repentance. But at this moment, sometimes your desert experience has nothing to do with your sin, but more to do with God's glory. Gideon, can you believe it? In chapter six, asked God for proof. He said, God, you've told me you're gonna use me to deliver the Midianites into our hand, but I, I, don't, don't, don't strike me dead now. Don't get upset, God, but I, I need some proof. Can you imagine? God, give me some proof. And in verses 36 through 40, Gideon says, I'm going to lay out a fleece. And in the morning when I wake up, I want dew on the fleece, but it'll be be dry on the ground. And then I'll know, God, you're going to deliver. So he wakes up and sure enough, there's dew on the fleece. It's dry on the ground. But I think Gideon starts thinking and he says, you know, God had a 50-50 chance there. Let me test him again. So he says, God, don't get upset with me. (laughs) But God, this time when I wake up in the morning, can it be dry on the fleece and dew on the ground? And do you know what amazes me? God obliges. Do you know Why? God, if he's going to use you for extraordinary things, 
has to go into a season where he builds your faith and trust in him. Because the battles you're going to face in your life, you're not going to win them without him. And he's got to get you to a point where you're not putting your faith and trust in you, but your faith and trust in him. The victory, the battle belongs to the Lord. God nowhere reprimands Gideon and was very compassionate in giving what his faithlessness requested. And the reason is God needs to build Gideon's faith and trust. Desert life is always training ground. And the reason is, and let me just remind you, it is not God's purpose or plan that any of us should live a mediocre spiritual life. No way. God never planned for us just to get, uh, get we're going to get saved. We're going to receive Christ, get into the water, come out, and then mediocrity. No, our entire life is a boot camp where God is training us to accomplish extravagant, extraordinary things. Now, the question is, if God is preparing Gideon to slay a giant, how does God prepare us for a giant killing? Do you remember what happened when Saul asked the shepherd boy, David, what makes you think you can go up against this well-trained warrior giant of a man, Goliath, and win? And here's David, the shepherd boy's David's response in 1 Samuel 17, 37. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. What's David saying? David's saying, God has prepared me for this day. He gave me victory over the lion. He gave me victory over the bear. This was my boot camp. This is my training ground. I have slain lesser enemies and now I'm ready to slay the big one. And can I just tell you, part of the reason that God allows these unfortunate events into our lives is because we have to deal with the idols in our lives. We have to deal with the things we put our trust in. And God, and we're gonna talk about this, has to strip those away so that ultimately our trust and our faith is in God. When our ultimate faith and trust is in God and what he's doing in any event, no matter how unfortunate, that's when in our weakness, we become strong. God wants you to pass the smaller difficulties so that greater difficulties can come so that he can use you to model to the world what a God-shaped life looks like. Listen, you know and I know that we will never learn faith by reading it in a book. Only when the bottom drops out, when the rug is pulled out from under us, when the odds are heavily stacked against us, when everything seems impossible, not likely, will we learn faith. You will never know the certainty with which you can have when it comes to your relationship with God. You will never know why God sins or allows any event into your life. You will never know what you have caused, what God has caused, what the evil one has caused, what the fallen world has caused. God never goes there. He simply tells you that God is gonna take advantage of every opportunity in your life to build your faith and trust in him, to demonstrate his faithfulness to you, to prepare you to slay a giant. Now you think about this for a moment. God has complete foreknowledge of every event that will ever come into your life. You've got to think in these terms. For some of us, we don't like to go that far deep into the cerebral activity, but you got to deal with this. When something, no matter how bad it is, no matter how unfortunate, what are God's options? He could stop it, prevent it. He's omnipotent. He can allow it by divine providence. He could say, I'm going to allow this in. 
He's going to use it for his purposes. That, that means everything from small to large, but you never know what is at play because we're never going to have that kind of knowledge and God's never going to give it to us. He simply wants to use every unfortunate event as a boot camp to train us for extraordinary victories in our lives. I can tell you, I've shared this before, I needed to suffer anxiety in my life. I needed it. I don't like it. I didn't like it at the time. But God, I now know, was doing something drastic in me. I have an incredible respect for those who struggle with mental illness, where before I did not. I have more compassion for those who are hurting. When somebody tells me they're hurting, I'll pay attention much more than I ever have. And I want to comfort them with the comfort I've received in 2 Corinthians 1.4. I have more dependency on God before I start the day because I realize without God, I'll never make it through a single day. God has stripped me of my fear of death, reminding me that he's in charge. He determines the number of my days. There's no use worrying about it, being depressed about it or anxious over it. When those large, unfortunate events come into our lives, I'm saying to you and me, we can live by a resolution to know that God could have stopped all those things, but he has decided to redeem them and to use them for immeasurable good and to prepare in us an extraordinary event. So when we lose a job or when we don't get a promotion or whatever it is, as Christ followers, we're not... We're not supposed to be people who fall apart when we get betrayed, when we get our feelings hurt. Yeah, it's painful, it hurts, but the reality is God is at work. Either through causation or allowance, God is at work. And the point is, if God is going to use us, Gideon or anybody else for extraordinary purposes, he's going to have to build our faith and trust in him to cause, to allow any event that he sees fit into our life for his purposes so that you and I can have a peace that God is involved in the most unfortunate circumstances of our lives. The battles of our lives cannot be won by our wisdom or our strength. The battle belongs to the Lord and therefore God must do whatever necessary to rid us of our self-sufficiency and create trust and dependency in him. Somewhere along the line, we have to develop this boot camp mentality. U.S. Marines, if you know anything about boot camp, they'll go through 13 weeks of hardcore training. It challenges the physical, the mental, the emotional stability of each recruit. And the experience is designed to remove weakness. You know that, right? The weakness of character, integrity, of narcissism, of selfishness, as well as physical and emotional weakness. 13 weeks, every obstacle, every challenge, every hardship forges young men and women into men and women of strength, character, and courage that which is necessary to defend this country and protect our freedom. That's why personally I have such a huge respect for people who go through this. And I'm telling you that God is looking for a few good men and women to carry on his purposes in this world who will stand courageously for what is right and will allow him through the unfortunate, even the most unfortunate events of our life to forge character and integrity and staying power in us so that he can use us to slay a giant. Most of us assume that when we see greatness in someone, that everything automatically just fell into their laps. 
Everything's gone right in their lives, we say. They've suffered no setbacks and encountered no unfortunate events. They were born with a silver spoon in their mouths. But anybody who's lived life long enough knows that the people who have accomplished the most in the kingdom of Christ have often suffered the most. Greatness requires an enormous amount of pain and suffering. Deep troubled waters either destroy you or you learn to swim to the surface and ride the waves of some of the most thrilling, exhilarating times of your life. Gideon says to the Lord, pardon me, but how can I save Israel? My clan is weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. And I can hear the Lord saying to Gideon, that's exactly why I'm going to use you to accomplish something extraordinary. And if you know anything about the rest of this story as we make our way through it over the next few weeks, right now Gideon is is at a four to one odd. But by the time he goes into battle, hand-to-hand combat with the Midianites after God has sent him to spiritual boot camp, the odds are gonna be 450 to one. 135,000 well-trained Midianite warriors against 300 farmers from Israel. The only way they're gonna be able to win that battle is God. You know, I am hoping and praying that you have your own aha moment this weekend that suddenly it dawns on you that you don't have to hide in the holes in the ground, but you're going to submit to the purposes of God in your life and allow him to shape and mold you into greatness. And this first resolution means that you're going to resolve to believe that God will take advantage of every disadvantage in your life and use it for his glory and build something extraordinary in you so that you'll go beyond the spiritual mediocrity you're living into greatness and experience some of the most rapturous events or adventures of your life. So that when your boyfriend breaks up with you, you'll not look for the prize around the corner, but sulk somehow thinking that God does not have something better for you. Those days will be gone. When you lose your job, you you won't grow impatient anymore with God. Instead, you'll trust him that he has something far better than you could ever imagine. You'll say to the potter, go ahead and throw me on the potter's wheel and shape and mold me and prepare me for something great. And you'll stop wondering whether or not God cares. You'll know he cares. He who did not spare his own son will surely give us all good things. When you're attacked from every side, betrayed and left for dead by people you thought you could trust, instead of allowing God to build staying power in you and open your eyes to your own weaknesses, I'm hoping that by the end of this, you will not run away and miss out on what God is ultimately doing in your life. No matter what it is, you don't get the promotion, you don't get the girl, you don't get into the university, you go through a season of pain and illness, you go through a time of relational fracture and hurt, no matter what it is, that you come to the conclusion, God saw this coming, he could have stopped it, he didn't, I'm in boot camp, he's preparing me for greatness. When you say yes to that question, that I'm gonna live by this resolution. Here's what's gonna happen. Stay with me, I'm almost done. You're gonna understand for the first time a passage of scripture that we've been going over for a long time if you've been a Christ follower. Paul says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who've been called according to his purpose. But do you know what this means? I wanna look at two words quickly. The first thing is in all things. This phrase right here, this word, can I just tell you, it actually means all things. It means everything. It is totally exhaustive. 
It is comprehensive. In this word, there are no restrictions and no limits. It means that God works everything. It means the injustices that come into your life, the betrayals, the hurt, the pain, the wounds, the physical illnesses. Hey, how about this? Even your own sin, he can work together for good. Now, that doesn't mean we all should go out and sin as much as we can and see how much good God can do. It simply means that even if you've been an alcohol and God's rescued you from that, then you are able now to comfort people with the comfort you receive from God. He's able to turn all your sin, all the things you've done all your life, turn it around, redeem it for good, and use it for his purposes. It says God will use all things, not some, not a few, not most, but all things. And then here's what I like about it. We're told that he will work. And I love the, the translation. It says works together. And here's why. The word translated works together comes from our, or is the idea behind our English word synergism. It's the same word only in Greek and it is in English. And synergism means this, the working together of various elements to produce an effect greater than and often completely different from the sum of each element acting separately. Now, what does that mean? So the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us quickly now that God is going to work everything, all things, not a few, but all things together. Synergo, synergism. So in the physical world, the right combination of otherwise harmful chemicals can actually produce substances that are extremely beneficial. A good example is table salt is composed of, of two poisons, sodium and chlorine. Put these two things together though, extremely beneficial. What Paul tries to tell us in Romans 8 is that God's gonna work everything, even bad things, even things out in and of themselves are harmful. He's going to take all those things, meld them, shape them, form them, bring them together and bring about his good, especially the times of difficulty and unfortunate events in our lives. I'm asking you this weekend to understand God's promise to take otherwise harmful and unjust decisions and produce something beautiful and extremely beneficial into our lives. If you will live with that understanding, you will live with an overarching sense of joy and anticipation of what God is going to do. And yes, you will have moments of sadness, but you will live with an overarching sense of joy. And let me tell you the final thing. If you live this way, ultimately, you're going to be victorious. That's right. You're going to win in the end. Let me finish with this because of time. I've talked about my friend, Coach Tony Bennett, for a long time. But this illustration that we've mentioned a few times is, is so appropriate here. He's, he's quickly becoming arguably the best or the most successful basketball coach of our time. And you say, well, that doesn't impress me. I got news for you. It doesn't impress Tony either. None of this gives Tony his value or significance. What truly makes Coach Bennett unique is that he says very little. He demonstrates his faith and trust in God by the disciplines that are present in his life. You know, I call Tony from time to time and I want to talk basketball. He'll, he won't talk, but he just wants to talk about a new devotional he's reading or something that God is doing in his life at the moment or some obstacle that he's just overcome by the Holy Spirit and now he sees that God is equipping him for more success. 
I went to see him play Virginia Tech a few years ago in Blacksburg, Virginia. It was a barn burner in a very hostile environment. And as he's walking off the court, he sees me, motions me to come down on the floor and he takes me into the broom closet and he says, can you pray with me? I need to pray together with somebody to feel the presence of God. That's what we did. In 2018, people got a glimpse of Tony Bennett during March Madness when the Virginia Cavaliers went in as the number one seed. Five of the 22 experts picked them to win it all. The other experts actually leaned heavily in their favor as well. And the Cavaliers that year, you know the story, went on to forge their names in the record books. They became the first number one seed in NCAA tournament history to lose first round to a 16th seed. Never happened before. They were soundly defeated by the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Most of us didn't even know who they, I think their school like a 4,000. And I remember sitting on my couch at home watching that game and feeling in the pit of my stomach just a sickness because I ached for Tony, knowing all the hard work and the type of man and the type of character and integrity he possesses. So Tony enters, I sent him a text to encourage him. I don't know when he read it, but he goes into the press room for the post-game interview smiling and greeting the press. And this is what he said, and it's become quite famous now. He looked over to the press with a smile on his face, having just been defeated. He says, this is life. It can't define you. You enjoy the good times and you gotta be able to take the bad times. And when you step into the arena, the consequences can be historic losses, tough losses, great wins, and you have to deal with both. And that's life. As I heard him utter those words with a smile on his face, I I wondered if anybody really understood what Tony was saying. The definitive line in his message was this, this tragedy doesn't define me. That's why I'm not that upset. I'll go back and work hard, but this is not what my life's ultimately about. The world may define you by wins and losses. God does not. The world may define you by unfortunate or fortunate circumstances. God does not. I've often heard Tony quote Job 2.10, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Does God not use the trouble in our lives for his purposes? And are not all his purposes good? Then shall we not praise God in good times and bad times? I know that sounds difficult and I'm not there yet. None of us probably are. But when you live by the resolution that nothing comes into your life that God does not previously know about, and he's equipping you to slay a giant, then you can rejoice in the bad and the good, knowing what is yet to come. In all things, this is what's to come. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Unfortunate events have minimum negative impact on those who believe in a sovereign God who is always working his plan. And you know the rest of the story for Tony? They got in the record books the next year because come back the next year, they won the whole thing with the same basic team. They won the entire championship. He says that he played a song in the locker room before the final game called Hills and Valleys and reminded them, this doesn't define you. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down, but what defines you is your relationship with God and his willingness to do extraordinary things in your life. Please, resolution number one, I will see the unfortunate events of my life as faith builders leading to the greatest accomplishments of my life. And I don't know where you are right now, what you're facing, but I want to show you the promised land. I want to show you what Gideon's going to be able to do through his dependence on God and how he experiences the greatest victory of Israel. For when you are in the midst of life's most fierce battle, chances are you are most centered in the will of God. 
He's going to bring about salvation. He's going to give you a victory that you never hoped for, asked for, or imagined. And everything that was meant for evil, he's going to turn it on its head and use it for immeasurable good. Lift up your eyes. Come on this journey with me. And remember, your life with him is full of signs that God writes straight with crooked lines. Dark clouds can hide the rising sun. And all seem lost. All seem lost when all is one. And Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for a powerful narrative and story of Gideon, and we've not even started. And I pray we would go on this journey, and on the other side, we would live by these seven resolutions that would make such a difference, not only in our countenance, in our lives, but in the lives of everyone who meets us. Is my prayer, desperate prayer, in Christ's name, amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.